0: Thanks for listening and supporting the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. This episode is sponsored by Redmond's Real Salt. If you follow my work on Nutrition with Judy, you know that I'm a big fan of using unrefined salts and one of my favorites is Redmond's. Redmond's was one of the main sponsors of the Carnivore 75 Heart Initial Challenge. Redmond's not only has salts, they also have organic seasonings which my husband uses all the time to cook with and they also have toothpaste or earth paste that has no fluoride or chemicals and toxins. I love using earth paste with my kids and even on myself. We also use their facial detoxing supports like their facial mud and bentonite clay. They also have clay baby powder that is safer than conventional baby powders. And most of all, they have my favorite carnivore shirt and sweatshirts that I love to wear while working offline. I'm sure by now most of you use Redmond Salt, but if you haven't checked out all their other goods, make sure to go to redmond.life and at checkout use code NWJ to get 15% off your purchase. Make sure to check out Redmond's and let's get back to the show. Laura and I are just going to be talking really candid, this is what this
1: podcast is all about. It's one thing to say, I want to eat something else that's not meat. It's a whole nother thing to say, you need to eat something else that's not meat.
0: If you notice that you're jumping from diet to diet, at a certain point, you have to wonder, the only common denominator is me
1: get outside, go for a walk, get some vitamin D, breathe some fresh air, uh, and and stay happy and healthy and and take care of yourselves. Let's just have some real talk.
0: (laughs) Welcome to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. Hey guys, welcome back to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. My name is Judy Cho and I'm here with my good friend, Laura Spath. So Laura, um, we had to reschedule this podcast because you got sick. Um, How are you feeling in if you kind of want to talk about it, because I didn't really get to talk to you much.
1: Our whole family has COVID, um, which after a year and a half, I guess it's it's Chris and I always say, like, it's only a matter of time. And we're kind of surprised it took this long. But um, Chris and I, Chris got COVID and then I got it and the kids got it. Um, and so we're doing well now. It's been about a week since we started showing any symptoms. Chris was a few days before me because I was gone and I got it then obviously when I came home. Um, So we're feeling pretty good. It's been about seven days. I know we're going to talk about it a lot today. The one thing I want to say is that I am simply going to talk about my experiences and how it was for myself and for Chris and everything. That doesn't mean that's how it's going to be for anybody else. Like this is not medical advice. This is just simply like our personal experiences. I, I'm i curious about that from other people. Um, but then it also doesn't like me talking about feeling okay now after a week doesn't take away from other people. I'm like, I don't want to take away from other people who were sicker I guess if that makes sense. So it's hard to know how to do this with um some delicacy I guess. But I know you and I just wanted to be able to talk about it uh, and kind of share how everything's been going. Before we talk about COVID, I wanted to talk a little
0: bit about the vaccine. I know this is somewhat controversial, but as we try to keep it real, I want to share for those that are willing to listen or be open or just confused some of the research I've done in this area. When I had my kids, I didn't know much about the wellness space. I listened to the doctor. If doctor said, baby needs a shot, baby needs a shot. Um, I don't know if I would do the same if I would go back now, but I don't have that option anymore. So I've never really looked into the basic shots um, and if they're safe or not. Um, But what I do know is when I started doing research for if this new vaccine or shot um, is safe, there's just a lot of stuff that was concerning that came out. And I wrote a blog post on it. So the beginning part just talks about all of the vaccines and after trials of what percentage makes it to the very end. And it's like, I think it was 30%. Our current one doesn't even didn't even go through all of those trials. So would it have made it to the end, right? So there's just these unknowns. Um, I just didn't know if it was worth the risk. Um, I think it's very individualized. And so I mean, that's why I wrote a blog post that talks about the flu shot, its efficacy. It's actually really, really low. Um, I think for people in their 50s, it shows there's a negative benefit of getting it. For people in their 60s or 70s, I think it's like a 10% benefit. So it's just really important to understand this stuff. One of the questions I do have, though, is we got chickenpox growing up. It was fine. Um, I think these studies that I saw was that maybe 100 people in the whole U.S. gets chicken pox or dies from it. So then why do we all need to be vaccinated? Um, because now that no one's getting chicken pox um, and we're not getting these low doses of um, exposure to it, the adults are now getting shingles at a very young age. So did we eradicate a disease that may have been beneficial? It's just concerning when it only affected 100. Now, if you're part of that 100, obviously it's detrimental. But. There are people that do get injured by the new chicken pox vaccine. It's just these are concerns again. Um, And it's really balancing that risk versus reward. I'm not saying no one should get it. I'm not saying no one shouldn't get it. I'm just saying you have to do your own research. And part of the reason I wrote that really long vaccine post is so that people can, maybe I can help them with resources they can search.
1: More than anything, I think the biggest disservice that's happened over the last year and a half is that nobody's talking about health. Like, where was everybody in, you know, with the lockdowns and the masks and the vaccines and all those things, why was nobody not talking about being healthy? Because I guarantee you that three years ago, if the way that I'm feeling now, like Chris and I both have COVID, he, uh, three years ago, he was type two diabetic, Uh, a small infection almost killed him, right? That's how he ended up with necrotizing fasciitis because he had a small infection in his body that he couldn't fight off. A virus like this three years ago, when I was pre-diabetic. He was diabetic. We both had tremendous health issues, um, could have very easily killed us. And we would have been in a much bigger risk category for that. You know, that's what we're hearing. And the majority of the people who, uh, you know, are unfortunately dying with COVID are people with metabolic damage and people that are obese and people that are just, you know, unhealthy and older. And it's such an unfortunate thing that we have not spent the last year and a half not talking about health and even within our space, like this is a whole other topic and I don't know if we want to get into it yet, but even within this space, everybody's so concerned about arguing about grass fed and grain fed and fruit or no fruit and all this other nonsense that we're not sitting here just talking about the best way to be healthy. And if we are in a pandemic or however you feel about it, that we need to focus on getting everybody as healthy as possible and not worrying about if you're eating organic organs or if you're eating supermarket meat. And there's just so much that, you know, that's been our biggest focus as a family is how can we be healthy so that when we get it, which is an inevitability that everybody's going to get it at some point, how can we be as healthy as possible so that it doesn't impact us um, in in a negative way?
0: I did see some dietary recommendations from the World Health Organization, for example, but, you know, they say limit saturated fats eat more canola oil, that type of stuff. right? And so it needs to change from up top for that people to then believe. But I mean, like you alluded to also, but also within our low carb communities or our communities that are pushing a diet that's probably more um, beneficial for health, that we should also stop bickering within the communities, right? So there's a lot of things that are at play with that. But I agree. Um, I haven't posted it yet. But by the time this podcast comes out, it probably will be posted. But I found a um, paper that the CDC did a study on the other dark effects of the pandemic. And it talks about mental health. Um, it talks about uh, weight changes, right? So it's interesting. It said 75%, and they interviewed 3,000 people. They try to make it very diversified. And so it was all across the map in the US. And within that, they said that over 70% of the people that responded said that they had adverse. Um, effects on their weight during the pandemic. So that could mean either that they lost weight or that they gained weight. It could be both. And In the actual bar graph, it shows both, Um, like which one was worse. And I think obviously it's the weight gain. But that's the issue, right, is this Thing going around has proven that one of the comorbidities is obesity. And if people are admitting that they're gaining weight from this, or that Krispy Kreme's is giving you extra donuts or whatever, if you get this, it's the wrong messaging, right? It's just if we're focusing on health, why don't gyms say we'll give you more memberships? Um, or if you eat just healthier foods, but obviously the issue is what is healthier foods um, in the mass media, it's not as clear. But at least like move more, exercise more. It, it is concerning, especially when you see that CDC report also talks about mental health. Um, and there was I think it was a separate study where they showed that kids under the age of I think it was 15. I'll have to go back and look. But 30 percent have shown either anxiety, depression or suicidal ideation. That was I think it's more than like 12 million people in the U.S. under the age of 16. That's super concerning because that is our future of who will run this country and then take care of everything, right? And so if more than almost a third of that population is depressed or anxious or thinking of committing suicide, and they don't even talk about diet in this whole kind of realm of this, it's a big issue. I just interviewed someone on my Nutrition with Judy podcast that talks about how they did studies where they gave like nutrients to individuals with uh, mental health issues. And, and they showed efficacy, right? They, it showed as much benefit as getting on antidepressants. And, and so they were starting to share, actually maybe instead of using antidepressants for serotonin uptake re, um, inhibitors, maybe let's try a cleaner diet. Let's remove processed foods. So their her Ted talk has almost 2 million views and it is the only TED Talk um, that has a banner on the top that basically says this is kind of misinformation. It's wow. wild.
1: Wow, I think that's the scariest part right now. There, you know, for kids especially, like as the school year starting, the you know the teachers' unions, a lot of the different states, they're not allowing kids to go back to school, um, and there's talk right now of doing lockdowns again. Even my like most pro mask pro vaccine pro lockdown friends are like freaking out that we may have to go back into another lockdown and like whether or not people comply with that or how that works is, is really kind of up to every individual part of the country and and to every person. But it it is proven that it didn't work the first time, you know, people who I think I'm not the numbers person. So this is where don't quote me on these, but like 70% of the, the eligible people are vaccinated. And yet 70% of the cases of COVID right now are people that are vaccinated as these viruses tend to mutate and come out with new variants and all these things. Like they just tend to get more, um, you you can catch them easier, but they're also less deadly. So over time we see the cases going up, but we also see the, you know, the impact going down. And that's definitely true with what our family has felt and seen. And, and I don't know, again, if that, if you're not somebody who's healthy, you might've had a different reaction than our family did. Kind of just how it went for us, right? Like Chris and I both started feeling pretty achy. We started feeling, we actually, what's funny is we were on different timelines because we got at different times, but we both experienced pretty much the exact same symptoms where he woke up, was just feeling achy, felt like he had a really heavy workout the day before, but he didn't, um, just started feeling really tired and then ended up with a fever, Uh, Same thing for me. What's funny is I just felt like I had a body full of inflammation. Like if I were to be super strict and then eat a whole bunch of carbs or like have a binge and my body is super inflamed from all the carbs, like my skin would hurt. Like my joints hurt. Your muscles really ache and hurt. Or you did like this super intense workout. So that was kind of like, I felt that and knew I was like, all right, well, Chris has it. I'm a couple days behind him. Um, I ended up with a fever for about a half a day. Like I think at one point my fever spiked to like 103 and within a few couple hours, um, you know, I took some, uh, Tylenol and within a couple hours, the fever was gone and it really never came back again after that. The kids, the only symptoms that they had was, uh, they had like a low grade fever for a couple of days. Um, and that was it. So we got in front of kind of some, protocol that we have done a lot of research on. As far as medication goes, we found an online doctor to prescribe us the medication we wanted. And we took the vitamins that we have read about that we knew we wanted to take, um, got lots of rest, but I will say more than anything, the most difficult part of all of this is the uncertainty and the fear that's put out there, this panic. Like there was one point we were several days in, my fever had been gone. I was feeling fine. Um, we were kind of just hanging out and just being tired. And that was really our only symptom. I never had a cough. Chris had a cough uh, a little bit. That was kind of the symptom he had that I didn't. And I never really had a cough, but I started, we were sitting on the couch and I took a couple deep breaths. And when I did, my lungs just felt like tired. You know what I mean? Like your whole body's tired. If you had been, um, running, which not that I run, but like, say you've been running for a while and then you came inside and you're just like catching your breath. You like take a deep breath. Like I did that a couple times and I just felt like my lungs felt tired. Um, was it like, like shorter breaths? Not necessarily shorter breaths, but I just, my lungs felt sore almost, or like okay. I could take a deep breath, but then I would feel sore. In my lungs, which is interesting because if I've ever had to wear a mask for an extended period of time, like flying, the minute you get off the plane and you take your mask off and you take those deep breaths, you almost feel the same way. Like your lungs just feel tired.
0: So did you guys lose your sense of smell? Um, you know, that's like one of the biggest things. And especially with kids, that's what I hear about often. Um, did your kids like just lose their appetite or lose their um, smell?
1: My kids did not lose their appetite at all and still <laughs> ate a tremendous amount. I Honestly, I think the only symptom that they had, Penelope had a fever for a couple of days. And I don't know if Nathaniel just didn't get it or if he just had no symptoms He is sounding a little stuffed up now, like a week later, kind of like I am. I feel like that's my only lingering symptom. I kind of kept waiting for my sense of taste and smell to go away, and it didn't. Um, You know, I had a headache for a couple days. I had definitely inflammation. So like I was really sore, uh, like I mentioned, for a few days, for about a half an hour or half a day, sorry, a couple hours, I had a fever. And then really other than that, I just haven't been, I haven't really had much of an appetite. Um, until today. But overall, it really wasn't anything other than just, I kind of feel like I was detoxing from carbs, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah. It's like the low fatigue.
1: There's a protocol that we followed that um, Dr. Pierre Cory, K-O-R-Y, and Brett Weinstein talked a lot about on the Joe Rogan podcast. I had been very familiar with Brett Weinstein's um, work and talk about COVID protocols um, rec- before then. And then I actually had been listening to that three-hour podcast the day that we test positive. And so it was kind of perfect timing where then we were able to go to their website that they talk about and really dig into that. Um, and that's the exact protocol that we followed. So I don't know if it made a difference or not. Either way, I'm thankful.
0: So the specific protocol you took, um, I show studies of the efficacy across other countries. And so I'll put the links in there.
1: Yeah, we have another, we have a couple of friends who are uh, medical doctors in ICU and they've been dealing with COVID patients this entire time. And when they found out after the fact that that's the medication, the protocol we followed, um, they were pretty supportive and, and really stood behind it. So it's definitely not something that's talked about right now, mainly because There's no money in it for any companies Um, and it's a, it's a drug that's generic versions. There's no patents on it. And so, you know, we've talked about the money aspect and, and hopefully that's not what's happening here, but that's, that's definitely what it seems like when you have something that is helpful and potentially a cure and, and yet there's no money in it. You know, it's not, it's something that's censored and not talked about, which is why we're not saying the name of it because they would probably take this podcast down.
0: One of the studies I showed in my um, blog post is that other poor countries that weren't able to get access to any other medication, for some of those countries, this medication is over the counter. And a lot of those people that took it right away, in those countries, they show that people got better very quickly. So not saying that that's true for everyone. Okay, this is not medical advice, but there are studies that show it and there's a specific page that I linked to that shows all the different studies that are focused on this medication and this one other medication, and how there have been studies on the Lancet and other uh, papers that have been retracted for saying false information about this medication not being effective.
1: Right. And the countries where they've used this medication for other things like, um, you know, other types of viral infections and other types of parasites, um, this medication has been used for that for years, and there less impacted from COVID uh, and have had less cases because this is something that's already been commonly used for them. I could not have just stayed home afraid for the last year and a half. But the unfortunate thing about this, I think is the, the fear that's put out in society because it's talked about in the news and the way things are talked about. Like we, I legitimately, we have family members who are just shocked that we aren't dead. Because there's so many people out there that feel like COVID is 100% death sentence and that if you get COVID, you're going to die. And even though I know that, there's still this moment of like you're in it and you you get that like uncertainty feeling of you don't know what's going to happen next. And like most people get sick, they feel bad for a few days and then they get better. And that's 99, over 99% of people are that way with COVID because there's the the less than 1% is talked about so much in the news on social media and that's what's being used to kind of like create this cope fear right fear is what creates clicks it's what gets people to watch the news that i even sat there in my moment as confident as i was in the research and the the way that i felt even i started getting a little bit panicky and like i started just ha- all of a sudden, next thing you know, like my heart rate goes up. I was started to get a little bit short of breath and I, my fingers started tingling a little bit. I called a friend of mine. I told Chris, I was like, you should go to CVS and just get one of those little O2 monitors and like, so we can monitor like our blood oxygen levels or whatever. Just cause I was like, thought, okay, right. This is real. This is, I'm can't breathe. <laughs> um, I called a friend of mine, I think I even messaged you that night and I was like, what am I yeah, going to do? Okay. Like, is this a thing? Like, is this, maybe, I, maybe we've been too cavalier about this. Um, and so I called a friend of mine who is an ICU nurse um, in at the hospital right now and deals exclusively with COVID patients. And her husband is a fireman who is like an EMT firefighter who shows up and deals with all kinds of cases like this, like takes people to the hospital all day long. And I called her and started explaining to her and I was like, we've been fine. This is like day five. I haven't even coughed all of a sudden, like out of nowhere, my heart rates up. I'm getting short of breath. I'm like, my arms are tingling. I like getting, getting a little double vision. And she just says to me, she was like, get, you know, obviously I was like, Chris is on his way to get an no 2 monitor. And she's like, um, honestly, it sounds like you're having a panic attack. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, Oh. Okay, and the minute we started checking my like heart rate, it's and this is why I'm, this is my point of all of this is like I'm fine. I'm a healthy person. Everything that was happening for me from a covid perspective was fine. But because of what's being said out there, because of the fear that is being pushed in anywhere, all of a sudden like I even start panicking and like saying like what's going to happen to me? I was 100% fine. I literally just had a panic attack because I felt like for one second I took a deep breath and it felt off, which then makes you think, Oh, great. This is it. That's the moment. Like I've lived my life. Dear Jesus, here I come. Like, you know, and the minute she said that was almost like this click in my head of like, okay, now I could all of a sudden I like could start taking deep breaths again. And all of a sudden I like felt calmer and we, I kind of just sat and breathed and like, was fine. And I went to sleep and woke up the next morning and have been completely fine. And so I don't know my point of all that is, but I think well, that-
0: it's the fear.
1: Yeah. That fear
0: you're talking about is totally true also in the meat space, right? So like, let's say you've been eating meat based for a while, you feel really good. And then you're like, Oh my gosh, I went to the doctor, my cholesterol's out of range. He's saying that I need statins and I better get on it now or I'm going to drop dead very soon. So that's um uh, very, very similar, right? And then we start questioning the diet. So we'll touch that in a second. Um, The other thing is, if you listen to only mainstream media, they don't share the same numbers as you. So I just want to make sure that people because I know some people are going to listen to this and say what w- what numbers is Laura talking about? That's not true. But when I like will Google r- random stuff, um, I'll see it says, the only people getting sick from um, like this new Delta variant is the people that are not vaccinated. And so then people will think, oh my gosh, it's the unvaccinated that are getting everyone sick and letting this spread. But I mean, in my blog post, it talks about how um, they knew that this vaccine would not protect you from spreading this. And I think the core issue is like you're talking about is the fear. If you actually look at the numbers, and again, I put this in the COVID post, but the percentage, like you said, is under 1%, even for the highest risk people. But people think that number is much, much greater.
1: But what's interesting is it's less now, right? With this new variant, more people are getting getting sick, but less people are dying because it's a less severe um, strain. And so that's I think that's the the thing to note, but I, I think no other time in our, in the history of our planet, have we ever quarantined the healthy in order to protect the sick. Right. And what, and it's this, you're doing such damage to children by keeping them out of schools, which, you know, I have thoughts about public school in general, but like by keeping them out of normal schools, by locking them up, like you said, the, you know, depression in children and the, the, problems that kids are having right now uh, is so severe compared to, you know, who are we actually protecting and what kind of quality of life are we giving anybody right now? I think that's the big part of it. You know, I don't, I have a lot of thoughts and very strong opinions on all this stuff. And I think you and I don't typically get into a lot of this here. You know, there's other media sources and other news sources, right? The people who are vaccinated, the corporate press is not counting them as an actual COVID case, and so if you're looking at the, you you do, you're right, you do see in the corporate press them talking about the fact that only the unvaccinated are um, actually getting COVID. Well, they're not calling it COVID, and they're not counting it as an actual COVID case. If somebody is vaccinated, they're calling it a breakthrough case, and they're not labeling it the same thing. And so it's just not there's there's just things that are. Like you shouldn't be listening to either one of the corporate news channels, right? This is not an anti-CNN thing. This is all of those things are designed to increase your viewership and increase the fear. And I think that, you know, we got into a really great discussion about fear with Jessica um, on a previous episode, but I think that can have such a negative impact on your health. And we talk about what stress can do to your body, and we talk right. about what, you know, fear and a lack of sleep. Like these are all different things that we've been talking about on previous episodes. And yet they're all things that can have just as much of a negative impact on your health as with the food that you're eating. And I think that, you know, by living our lives this way, by being shut in our houses and consuming media, it's just really absolutely having such a negative impact on our health when we can just focus on being out, being around people. You know, we need personal connection. We need human connection. We need um, people in our lives. We often talk about how isolation feeds addiction and whether that's food or eating disorders or um, any type of addiction, it's those things have just been rampant more so over the last year and a half than... Any virus,
0: the alcoholic rate has gone up. the The rates of domestic violence has gone up. Suicides have gone up, and these are things that we don't talk about. But again, it's that percentage that's shared that you can possibly die um, in the, I guess, corporate media or mass media spaces. Not truly accurate. Um, I remember when I was first digging into it, all that information when I was writing long article hospitals would get money um, every time they were flagging somebody that would come to the hospital. And if they died, and if they had any bit of COVID, their death certificate would say COVID, even if they came in because they had some other issue. So that's why if you think about this past flu season, there was no flu, right? Like the flu had just disappeared randomly. And then if you use those oxygen machines, you even got more money. But the thing with those, if you use it, Because it's forcing air into your lungs, there's a higher chance that you will die. And these are things that the average person that's going to go to the hospital, if they're like your mom or you need this oxygen and you don't know anything about that machinery, that it's a higher risk of death, then you're going to be okay. And it's stuff that's not talked about. But we just, again, trust these people to take care of us. But there are monetary incentives for the hospitals to give it to you, to uh, to define you as COVID. And so I don't know how it is now. I just decided not to pay attention to it as much because like you were talking about, fear is real. I mean, the mind is such a strong place. I highly recommend people watching the movie Heal. Um, I think it's on Netflix. So it shows how strong the mind is. So I totally agree. If you are in fear and you are scared to go outside because... If I go outside, that means I'm going to contract it. I may give it to my sick child or I may go out and I may kill someone else on accident. That level of fear and then someone saying, I have the antidote for your fear that I can eradicate all the fear for you if you follow what I'm saying, you're going to follow it and you're going to follow it blindly. And this is, on a side note, my heartburn about all this other stuff going in the carnivore community. It's that fear, that fear is such a powerful way to control people. We had the fear of red meat and saturated fats are killing us. And so we all made a concerted effort that when we eat bacon or we eat a fatty steak that, oh, I know this is bad for me, but I'm going to eat it because it's so tasty though, right? Like that's how we ate these things. Where did that come from when it is actually a very good food for us? There are so many nutrients in those foods. But we got fear mongered to believe that those foods are so bad for us and we believed it.
1: And it's because of a financial incentive. Like you said, there's nothing that sells more than fear of like, you need to buy this because otherwise you're going to not be healthy. You're going to die. You need to buy this because this is what's missing from your life in some way. And we see that on social media. We see that in our, in the corporate news. We see that in, you know, the, in a lot of places, that's exactly what is being used to sell things. Um, It's proven that people would rather be safe than be free and it's, and things like that you know, that mentality of like giving people safety and security, people will do anything to feel safe in that way. And yet they're not willing, they're willing to accept things. They're willing to shut people out of their lives. They're willing to buy things. They're willing to, you know, take this pill and do these things. But yet we don't see people willing to take their health into their own hands. We don't see people willing to make a strong effort to cut out toxic behaviors in their life, whether it's drinking or smoking, um, eating processed foods like we have, that's where I don't understand why we don't see that shift, um, of people willing to protect themselves in that way. And I think it's because there's a stronger message being sent that like this pill or this shot or this, um, will save you instead. And people can feel a stronger sense of safety through that.
0: I mean, I can speak from my client purview. So the people that heal the most in my clientele are the people that are willing to go all in. So if I say, I think you should be eating a little bit more high fat right now, and that may actually cause you to gain a little bit of weight. There are a lot of people that aren't willing to do it. So if it means that my hormones are tanking, but I'm not willing to eat enough fat, so therefore it must be the diet. And I always say, even in my disclaimer, when you work with me and you sign my, you know, my partnership to work with you, I only talk to you for maybe one hour a week. You have to do the rest of the hard work. And if you're not willing to do that, I say you're not a good fit to work with me. And these people all sign this form. But even within that, and these people pay a lot of money. I'm not cheap to work with. It's just really like, how much do you want it? Are you really focusing on your health, trying to get better? You remove some of the crappy foods in your your house. But then are you just sitting there consuming like Netflix or Hulu versus actually look learning more about the diet? So that if someone challenges you or if you run into a wall, that you can say, no, I know that this is the right thing and I'm going to keep going. Or are you going to say, you know what, this diet doesn't work. And then I'm going to go back to eating the um, standard processed carbohydrate diet. And I see it time and time again with my clients, the people that work the hardest, that are 100% all in. They're the ones that heal the fastest, heal um, some of the most hardest cases, But then the people that are just kind of one foot in the door, the the people that are ambivalent, they're the ones that will keep chasing their tails. And I got to a point where I started telling that to some people, like, you're not all in. When you're ready to go all in, you can always work with me. I don't want to keep taking your money every session because I know you're not ready. And people don't want to hear that, right? They want to just say, I'm going to give you the money. I'm hoping you'll give me the magic pill to fix it. And there isn't. There is not.
1: But people want to buy their way into a diet or into a health and they think that paying money will motivate them, number one, or that somehow the more you know, like so many times you and I probably both get this question of like, okay, I'm going to start carnivore. Like, what should I buy? Like, what do I need to get? Like, what do I need to do? You don't need to do anything. There is free content out there everywhere. There is, you don't have to buy supplements at first for most people, right? You don't have to buy uh, shaker bottles. You don't have to buy special knives. You don't have to buy, you don't have to do anything. You just got to cut out all the other junk food and start eating meat. And then obviously over time, and I know you're a big proponent of like, some people do need supplements at first, but the average person doesn't need to fill up an Amazon cart full of stuff like you yeah. are if you're going to do Whole30 or you're going to do keto or you're going to start on a, a South Beach diet. You don't have to go buy these shakes and like plan out all this stuff and get your little containers already. You just need to cut out the other food. It, it is that simple. And I think that's where things can get a little hard for people to accept that. I also think that what you're saying is so true of people have to go all in and you have to make this an entire lifestyle change. If you want anything, it doesn't matter what you eat. I'm talking about if you want permanent long-term change though, it has to be a lifestyle change and not just changing the food that you're eating. And then that was the biggest realization for me after a year. Cause I changed the food that I was eating and I lost 120 pounds, but I couldn't keep it off. I'm still figuring out how to keep it off because I have not committed to changing my entire lifestyle. And until that that happens, until I find a way to incorporate some sort of movement every day and like being more active, I watch too much television, especially like, obviously we're not even talking about the last couple of weeks, but being sick. But I mean that until you decide that that's it's going to be more than just living the same exact life that you're already living, but changing your food. You're not going to have long-term success until you decide to make this an entire lifestyle change. And maybe you're right. Maybe you don't get to go out to happy hour every week and have your wine tasting nights that you used to have. And maybe there's a loss for that. It's okay to grieve that loss of not being able to go out for taco Tuesday anymore and have margaritas. And, and until you're willing to, if you're somebody who can, you know, keep those things in occasionally and not have it affect your health, it's fine. But I think the majority of people who've made it to this level of extreme diet with carnivore, it's because you can't handle moderation. And it's because you can't handle just cutting back on most things and leaving in your, you know, margarita night that or your wine every night that you're having, like whatever that is, you likely can't handle it, which is why you've ended up listen to this podcast and finding a carnivore diet in the first place. Um, People who can just make better choices and lose weight don't end up here.
0: I I completely agree with that. And I think that's, uh, you know, that kind of segues into the stuff that I've been going through with um, sharing a post, um, talking about how there are people that are, you know, I know our first podcast talks about carnivore hate and we talk about, you know, there is no real true, This is exactly carnivore. Obviously, carnivore in its simplistic terms is meat only and the animal-based foods only. Um, But if you start adding a little bit of carbs here and there, that's fine. That doesn't mean that you're no longer part of the carnivore community, but it's different. If if I were to go, you know, like I say over time, if you can handle it, if you're metabolically flexible, if you're healing and you want to test out some berries or some plants, I think that's a good thing. I think that's a beneficial thing. I don't think people should only eat beef for the rest of their life. There is nutrients that are missing or not missing, but lack of. So there's like minimal thiamine. And I think magnesium is another one. You could probably thrive off off it still. The body could probably do other things. But the core message for me is just, it's one thing to just say, I'm going to eat berries and I'm still carnivore. Cool. Yeah. Support you. Right. But if you in that underlying message though, are saying you shouldn't do carnivore diet long-term because it is impacting your hormones. If you eat a meat-only diet long-term, you are ruining your health. If you eat a ketogenic diet long-term, that is a destructive thing for your health. And these are the people that are advocating for the fruits and the honey. That is not the same as just saying, let's just eat fruit. What's the dogma, Judy? Like who cares if we eat fruit and honey? That is not the same message. I am an advocate of trying different things as you heal. I try to see if I can eat some bit of carbs to see, okay, Judy, have you worked on your disordered eating? Are you still disordered? But I don't talk about that because that is not my thing about healing with carnivore. But when I, if I were to go, guys, you know what? I was wrong. Meat only is wrong. We need to actually eat carbs for our thyroid, for our um, hormones. If you're losing hair, that's because of your hormones. And meat only, therefore, is bad. That's, again, that fear-mongering. And that's where I have heartburn over this. Like it, One of the posts was from Carnivore Arialis. I think he's a great person. I have no idea who he really is. But I've actually talked to him. I've sent him my book. He shared it. He's a very respectable person, at least to me. But he has lately been saying, eat sugar because sugar and even white sugar, um, it's, you know, like it is not what caused metabolic damage and all that stuff. I think there is some merit to that. I think there might be some merit to that. It's not just sugar that causes metabolic disease. It might be the poofas and stuff and in terms of like seed oils. But they're not just saying just add sugar. That's not their message. Like that's what they're saying, but it's not. They're saying that if you stay on a meat only diet, your thyroid will get ruined. Like they literally say that, or that your hormones will get messed up, that you cannot do meat only alone. They're, they, they soften the blow with the kind of pu- fully public information by saying sugar is not bad for you. So they seem like, okay, so if you can handle sugar, great, right? that doesn't sound like dogma. But that is not what they're saying. I think Paul Saladino said at a certain point, um, ketogenic diets are toxic for you, right? We need to speak up like that is just maybe for him, maybe for some other people that are super metabolically healthy and young. But that is not true for everyone. My mother is 70. She eats mostly beef, actually, she just doesn't even eat chicken. And And if she eats a lot of fruit, her diabetic numbers go up or her blood sugar goes up. Maybe she can tolerate it more over time. That's great. But the reality is she is thriving on a meat only diet. Sometimes she adds avocado. Sometimes she adds fruit. It's really rare. But in general, she eats mostly meat. And she is 70. She sleeps through the night. Her hormones are completely normal. And to say that a meat-only diet or a ketogenic diet, because obviously she's producing ketones without all the carbs, is bad for her. And if she didn't have me to tell her on the side, like, what you're doing is fine as long as you feel okay, she might have just gone back, right? Because even my dad, with his church members, people would say, oh, you're only eating meat? You better eat some plants. You're you're going to get sick. And so my dad would always come back. Are you sure it's okay? What about my cholesterol? What about heart disease? Like, even though I advocate for that, even my father was skeptical because of the fear mongering he would get. And my concern with the Ray Peters, with these people advocating for sugar, it's not that they're just saying, eat sugar and you'll be okay. That is not their message. If that was it alone, I'm fine with that. If you say to a carnivore, eat a little bit of sugar, it's not a big deal fine. That's not what they're saying. Their core message is that carnivore is super unhealthy for you. And that is why I got on the podium and said my soapbox of leave us alone. If if the diet didn't work for you, fine, just leave. Like just leave if you're if you want to advocate for repeat,
1: fine. If you want to advocate for paleo, fine. No, I think it's there's a difference. Like you said, everybody in this entire space, I don't know anybody in this space, who would tell you, you can, you're not allowed to eat some fruit occasionally if you want to. And if you can handle it, every yeah. single person that I know in the carnivore space would say, sure, go for it. If you want it, go ahead. But we also know people like myself, like your mom, anybody who's ever been metabolically damaged, anybody who's been obese, anybody who's ever had a weight problem, a sugar problem, a food addiction problem is not missing out on having a handful of blueberries occasionally. Like I want blueberry cobbler and I want donuts. Like the majority of people cannot handle it. And so the difference with saying I'll, every single one of us will say, go for it, have some fruit occasionally if yeah. you can handle it. But to say that you need it And to say that you're going to mess up your health without it, I think is where you and I both flip that switch and get really passionate in the other direction to say, no, I can't handle it. I can't handle having some strawberries because then I'm just going to eat the whole container and then I'm going to next thing you know, be eating them on waffles. And like it's my body is not missing out on that little bit of stuff like that sweet stuff is such a trigger for me or having honey or all those things that I just personally can't handle it. And I don't know too many people who've ever been obese that can. The people who are able to handle just having a little bit of sweet potato occasionally and a few berries and maybe some honey occasionally, like look at the people who are telling you that they all are fit. They've never had a weight problem. They've never been obese. They they love to exercise for hours every day. And you're right because of the fitness of their body. And because of the intensity of their workouts, they might need that quick burning carbs. Um, but the majority of people who are taking their advice, trust me, I've spent a lifetime looking for an excuse to eat carbs and eat sugar and having somebody who is fit and who is healthy and who's a doctor or who is an expert in this field telling me that it's okay for me to do those things has set me back in my life and in my health journey many, many times. And it's literally just the excuse that I need to go and eat a Snickers bar. (laughs) And I've done that in in years past, right? Because that's just what I'm looking for. And because somebody's telling me sugar is fine.
0: But they're not saying it's okay to eat sugar. They're saying you need to eat sugar. That's the difference. And that's what I'm going after. Because so that's the irony of this all is that they're the ones being dogmatic. They're saying, guys, if you eat meat only long term, if you eat a ketogenic long term, you're going to ruin your health. So you better go and eat some fruit. And it's like whatever sugar you want, but also reduce the poofa. So here's my great argument with that, right? Let's see someone that does a carnivore diet is having issues with their thyroid or hormones. And they decide, okay, I'm going to listen to these people that are advocating for a little bit of sugar so that my thyroid doesn't get wrecked. Or let me get some fruit and honey. And so let's say they do that. But they also say, but this is their nuance. You have to remove all PUFAs. So then you have to remove, obviously, all the seed oils and toxic oils. So obviously, that's a given. But that also includes like the chicken or the pork from the grocery store. So the chicken, the pork, that also includes salmon because salmon has poofas, right? So let's say you remove all of that from your diet and you eat, start eating like 300 grams of sugar, 200 grams of sugar, even 150. And at first you're like, wow, I'm feeling great. Oh my gosh, this, this makes sense. I have more energy from sugar. Obviously, when you first have sugar, you get on a sugar high. There's truth to that, right? right. But let's say you're two months in and now you have a hard day and you're stressed and you're like i don't want the fruit today i don't want the honey i want the real sugar and you know what they say sugar is not bad for you and so you pick up the donut or you pick up the chips well look that actually has poofas now and then and then that is the whole metabolic disease right so what they're saying is if you eat beef only and and fruits and like other sugary foods like raw dairy and stuff if you eat that and you feed your children that from a very young age as long as you remove all poofas they're going to be healthy that's essentially their point right are you willing to test that on your children are you willing to do beef only plus fruits and and real white cane sugar and and just remove every single bit of poofas to see if their experiment is right like i'm not willing to do that with my children the reality is it's probably going to be everywhere Right so that means you can never eat out at a restaurant ever again or almost everyone uses some type of pufa. So then what? And that's that's the risk with that diet. So you eat all the sugar you want and you're slowly possibly risking metabolic disease and then assuming you never touch pufas, maybe you'll be okay. But what happens when you have the hard days and you eat some junk food and you eat that cake with the seed oils? Then what? Then are you going to be responsible for those people that have addictions? There is a MeetRx coach, for example. I think this person does interviews and talks to other people. And that's great. Like that content is really good. But what is MeetRx? It's a platform and community that is trying to gather people to th- that have finally committed. Okay. I don't know about this diet, right? But I want to try a meat only diet to see if it'll heal my autoimmune, my depression, whatever it may be. So they finally decide to pay a community. And join a group to learn about the benefits of meat and a meat-only-ish diet. And then if this person becomes their coach, who essentially now is a repeater, so believes in the fruits, believes that we need, again, the word, operative word is need. We need fruits and we need carbs for our health and hormone health. Well, imagine me four years ago going and knowing nothing about really this diet and wanting to learn from the Meat RX community. And this is becomes my coach. You think this coach is really going to tell me not to eat carbs? And this is the core of the issue. So if I'm new, at least let me peruse the community. But being a coach and representing your brand is RX, but your belief system is different.
1: And that's where I feel like people who we need to find what's the most realistic way for people to get their health. And this circles all the way back to the COVID stuff is like, what's the most realistic way for us to be healthy? And that is to cut out the sugars and do the best that you can. Cut out sugars, carbs, eat meat, eat the meat you like, the meat that you can afford and like um, and focus on getting healthy because the majority of people. Are, do not do this for a full-time job. Yeah. The majority of people do not live their entire lives with the entire day free to research, go find their food, um, exercise all day long. We all have lives. The majority of people have uh, jobs and kids and a life, and they want to be able to have flexibility to live their lives And as much as we want to think in this carnivore space, the majority of people are not going to be strict 365 days a year. And so what is the best way to find health, to let people, whatever, go have your cheat day, eat your cake on your birthday, like do those things occasionally. But then the 90% of the time you live your life eating no carbs, I would say that the majority of people are going to be extremely healthy and lose weight and live long, happy, healthy lives and be able to protect themselves from any type of virus or sickness or metabolic damage that's going to come up versus putting things in such an extreme category that it's unattainable for people.
0: Yeah, I think I'm really trying to marry what's going on in the social media space and then what I see in my practice. And it's true. It's just the number one thing that people need is what will make this stick and stick for the long term. Your diet doesn't have to be a hundred percent perfect. If it's ideal, 80% of the time, that's, that's what's great. And that is a struggle for most people because most people aren't in the health space. Most people are busy. And so some days they're busy and they didn't have enough food. They'll just grab some chips and they're like, well, that, that'll sustain me for a little bit. And then there goes their diet a little bit because that's real life. What I'm seeing in the social media space versus in practice is that a lot of the advocates, so even carnivore arialis, um, some of the other doctors I mentioned, they don't work with anybody. So in a box, in a podcast, in, in research, it makes sense what you push. But in if theory. you don't work, yeah, in theory. And if you don't work with anyone, you'll never know real life stories. And the people that actually work with real life people, you'll see their messages. So if you go on Dr. Boz, um, if you go to Dr. Syves, like all of these doctors and even, um, um, Dr. Eric Westman, who has clinics with, um, the, the more impoverished areas, they don't advocate for a very strict grass-fed, this and that diet, because they know in real life, it doesn't work perfectly. So they say, do what you can. And if you listen to Dr. Boz's like content, um, Eric Westman that wrote that book uh, recently about like end your carb confusion, they add even a little bit of seed oils because they understand that it is impossible to say you will never eat a seed oil again. And that's where the discrepancy is, right? So Dr. Westman is so busy working with clients. He is not on social media every day. He's busy. That's why he doesn't do as well on social media, right? When I'm super busy doing research or with my clients, I'm not even on social media that much. But I try to marry it because I know that my clientele is not everyone that gets to see my message. Sometimes I feel like I'm this lone wolf arguing for what's reality versus what's an ideal diet. And it's because the trend I see is that a lot of the advocates in this space, they don't really work with people and for the long term, seeing the blood work, seeing that there are recommendations. Okay, does my recommendation work for the long term? I learned from my clients when I understood the biochemistry of the way our health functions. I thought, great, eating meat-based, so just an 80-20 diet is perfect. That will heal so much of the hormones. That will heal the thyroid with enough protein. But then my real-life practice showed that a lot of people are gaining weight. And I realized, okay, that's not sustainable long-term. So then it's like, okay, can we try 75? So can we try 70% fat? And that's working with real people and not just getting random comments from the internet of someone saying, hey, I meat base for a year and it didn't work for me. You don't even know them, right? It could be a troll. Yes, that is, that is my issue with a lot of the stuff on the social media space. You work with them for six months, a year, and you can show me that they have proven with your recommendations that they have healed. I will willing to happily listen. But until you show me that and you're just pushing a product, I'm sorry. Like your recommendations is just an N equals one. And as an influencer with hundreds of thousands of followers... It's not good enough.
1: I think it's important to have those stories out there. Obviously, sharing your daily journey is what I do. Like, obviously, that there's a lot of people out there that do that, and that it's great to have that context. But you're right when you say that m- me and the way that I live my life and what works for me does not prove anything. Of what's going to work for other people. And those people who are fit and healthy and muscular and work out lots and eat those fruit and it works well for them, that does not mean that that's what the average person needs to do. Just as much as what I do doesn't mean that that's what everybody needs to be doing either. And so, you know, there has to be so much information that's kind of put together. And I think that having people like you mentioned, and then also people like Dr. Tro, who advocates for this, like just accessible, you know, ketogenic slash carnivore like diet, where it's something where you can buy things from the grocery store and you can listen to free content. You know, that low carb MD podcast is one that made a huge difference in my life and very beginning. It's something that changed my life because it was easy, accessible information from somebody who also had gone through it. You know, Doctor Tro works with clients every day. He personally lost over a hundred pounds. He lives his life every day like this. He's made his entire practice like this. Uh, he has a podcast that he shares. Like that's another person to add to the list that you mentioned. Um, that would be a really great resource if you're looking for kind of more to learn from and kind of the way to to approach this. I think what makes
0: me sad at the core is that. A lot of that biochemistry of sugar versus PUFAs versus this versus that, there may be truth in that, but they don't consider the mental health side. And so there's a lot of people that suffer with mental health. And thank God I don't anymore. But that's the people that get me. Sorry. That's the people I get upset for, right? So people want to just be healthy and they're going to trust whoever sounds smart who's charismatic. So they say, okay, I'm just going to follow this person. They have a large account and I will do what they say because I just want to get better. And then they advocate for fruit. And this person that has the mental health struggles because of their addiction to sugar or leaning on food for comfort, they then turn to food for comfort and they do everything that these people are advocating for, are saying not to do, right? Like to eat the foods with poofas and junk foods. We have to be open to the idea that people suffer from other things other than it's such a regimented eat this, eat that, because otherwise most people wouldn't be sick. We know that eating McDonald's or Pizza Hut or these restaurants on a daily basis is not good for us, but they still make money. And why is that? Because some of it is a mental health thing. Some of it is an addiction. Some of us turn to these foods for comfort. And we have to keep that in mind when we share these narratives of sugar is okay to eat. It might be for some people, but not everyone. And so when you fear monger a diet that actually may work for people that are food addicts, for saying, eat a meat only diet while you heal your mental health, they are now throwing that at out of the table as an option. And that is the part that saddens me because that is what I fixed or healed on this diet is my mental health. And now I can try to try the sugar because I'm there, but I'm four years in. And and if somebody, and thank God these people weren't around when I started this four years ago, because I might have been lost. Right.
1: We wouldn't have made it this far. It, it'd have been too confusing. I would have been too overwhelmed.
0: And so- That's, that's just my thing is just think about every individual, not everybody looks like you and being fit and muscular and working out every day. And, and that's, that's really it carnivore or a meat only diet can be an option, a viable diet option, without any carbs. And when someone says no, you cannot long term. That is where my issue is. And I hate it that people just instantly go, you're dogmatic because you're saying you can't eat fruit or you're dogmatic because you can't say to eat honey. But that's not the core message. And that is not their core message. Their core message is that meat only long-term is horrible for your health. So let's be honest.
1: I think that kind of... I mean, it brings everything in. It's this it's we live in this society that's reading the headlines and where they're reading the graphic on your on your information, but they're not reading the actual post or we're not actually clicking on anything. And we see this fear and we see statistics and we see numbers uh, and people get so caught up into just scrolling and reading headlines that causes fear and panic and reactions Uh, and And this is the core message of this podcast is maybe put the phone down and go for a walk and get away from it. And if you find yourself, you know, scrolling and getting worked up or getting frustrated, like it's time to put it down and walk away and go have a real human interaction and talk to somebody in real life and get some sun and work on, you know, detaching yourself from that um, and not spending so much time online.
0: We should just... Do what works for us, and I know that's hard because it's like what it what works, right? When everyone is saying different things, and I, I, I that's where I put it on these influencers, social media content creators, um, the doctors, the nutritionists. Like everyone needs to be in that space. The n equals one doesn't count, in my opinion, right? So I share my story, but I try to share more of the science because I know not everyone's going to heal their depression from a meat based diet. It definitely healed me a lot. But I know from my clients, it doesn't work fully, I have some clients that are still on antidepressants. So I know that and I'm mindful of that. And I I just, I, I ask that the people sharing content that, you know, like Laura, how you say, hey, I fasting works for me, but it may not work for everyone. I mean, at least have that little bit of disclaimer at the end, right? At least share that you're just sharing your journey, or, or that, you know, and I know that Paul Saladino does that. I know he says, if you're going to eat fruit, make sure you're metabolically healthy. So I'm thankful he does that. But I know his messaging also gets lost, right? Because not everyone listens to everything that everyone puts out. But it's just putting that awareness that not everyone is exactly the same as a content creator, and then being mindful of what really works in the practical world, because the real world most people are obese. Majority of America is obese. Majority of America is not going to let go of every single pufa and only eat healthy white sugars or fruits or honey. They're going to go for the ice cream. When you binge, you also are mindful of the money. So you're not going to eat the organic keto versions. You're going to get the real ones of the cheapest price. Let's, let's just be real and let's, let's be mindful of the mass community. And this is how we can evoke change in the rest of America that really is so lost that if we can just share, look, just eat meat, who cares where it's from, just eat what you enjoy. And then you could pull levers, whether it's adding fruit or honey, whether it's eating just organic, whether it's eating just grass fed, find those levers later. Let's just make this diet really simple. Let People have the opportunity to heal because most of America is sick and not even listening to this content. And when we bicker within our communities with, you guys can't do this because of fear mongering, well, there goes a message for the rest of America that can actually get better.
1: For sure. No. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just like no, so mad. This is, this is why we're doing this. And so we could talk about it. This is important. You are uh, very passionate. And I think that's why we're here. I think that's the message we want to make sure that you take from this. Um, No matter the stance that we take, we're not always right about everything. And we don't have all the right answers. We want you to find what works for you with our content and with all the other people that we recommend and all those that you uh, consume. Take it all in. Listen to it all. And then really just find what works for you in your life and find that balance because we're just looking to have people be the healthiest and happiest they can be. So thanks for listening today. Thanks guys.
0: Thanks for tuning in to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to share and leave us a review and leave any comments and questions on Apple Podcasts. We will read and answer your questions and comments on an upcoming podcast episode. This also helps us to share our real talk with more community members. You can also find me on my other podcast, Nutrition with Judy, on all podcast channels. You can also follow my content on Nutrition with Judy's Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. You can find Carnivore Cure in paperback, ebook, and audio on Amazon. I also have a blog post and weekly newsletter with nutrition and wellness updates. You can sign up at nutritionwithjudy.com. You can find Laura on Instagram at Laura Eastbath. You can follow along on her daily stories and see some of her funny skits. You can also find Laura on her YouTube channel where she shares tips on living a meat-based lifestyle. If you're wondering how much meat to eat in a day, week, or month, Laura has you covered. She also shares how to make a perfect sear on a steak and how extended fasting looks like in real life. You can find her YouTube channel by searching Laura's Bath. Thanks again for listening to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. And remember, make sure to cut against the grain. Thanks for tuning in to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to share and leave us a review and leave any comments and questions on Apple Podcasts. We will read and answer your questions and comments on an upcoming podcast episode. This also helps us to share our real talk with more community members. You can also find me on my other podcast, Nutrition with Judy, on all podcast channels you can also follow my content on nutrition with judy's instagram youtube facebook and twitter you can find carnivore cure in paperback ebook and audio on amazon i also have a blog post and weekly newsletter with nutrition and wellness updates you can sign up at nutritionwithjudy.com you can find laura on instagram at laura eastbath you can follow along on her daily stories and see some of her funny skits You can also find Laura on her YouTube channel where she shares tips on living a meat-based lifestyle. If you're wondering how much meat to eat in a day, week, or month, Laura has you covered. She also shares how to make a perfect sear on a steak and how extended fasting looks like in real life. You can find her YouTube channel by searching Laura's bath. Thanks again for listening to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. And remember, make sure to cut against the grain.